in the name of Jesus Christ, who will come to judge the living and the dead. Text for our meditation this morning comes from our gospel lesson as previously read. So far in our series, The Time in Between, in the first week, we looked ahead to what might be called the time after time, when Jesus will bring the saints triumphant to be with him forever in heavenly bliss. And the next two weeks, we step back into that time in between, and we looked at how we live and how we watch and how we wait, mindful of that coming day. And now as we reach the end of our series and the end of the church year, we narrow down, to, we narrow down our focus just to one specific day, Judgment Day. Even just the mention of that word kind of sends a shiver up your spine, doesn't it? After all, it's the day when all people will stand before the throne of God, the maker of heaven and earth, the ancient of days, as Daniel called him in our first lesson. Daniel portrayed what that vision would look like The ancient of days, God takes his seat on the throne and he's wearing white robes and he's got this white beard and he's holy and righteous and pure and there's thousands and thousands of angels attending him and he takes his seat and the books were opened. Even just the thought of that, the books being opened and all the evil deeds of sinners being read is enough to make a person want to melt into the earth and have the mountains cover over them. That day will be fearful for unbelievers and for the deeds that they have done. And then, on that day, the Son of Man will enter into the scene and he will approach the throne and he will be entrusted with all authority to judge and to rule his kingdom forever. The thought of that, Jesus judging righteously and permanently, well, that can make a person shake in their boots. But do you know something, dear believer? It's not supposed to. Not for you, dear believer in Christ. I'll say it again. Judgment Day is not to be feared for the believer. Yes, for the unbeliever, it will be the most fearful and terrible day they could possibly imagine, followed by an eternity of equally agonizing and torturous days. And that's enough to terrify the wicked and the old Adam inside of us. And God does not hold back from trying to warn the wicked and the sinful nature inside of us with prophecies like we hear in Malachi chapter four. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble and that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. But, and this is a very important but for believers, but for you who revere my name, The sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. You see this happy little cow? Looks like he's smiling. 
That's the way that God says it will be for you on judgment day, dear believer. This guy's got no fear of anything. He's prancing around. He's well fed. But because of the sinful nature inside of us, we still struggle with our fear of judgment day. And so Jesus has just the thing for us. It's the words that he was teaching to his disciples on the Tuesday of Holy Week. Jesus had left the temple where he had been confronting the teachers of the law. And then he went back to the Mount of Olives. And there the disciples came to him privately and they asked him a good question. What will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the signs of the end of the age? And in response, Jesus tells them a series of parables and images. We've been looking at some of them the last few weeks. He tells them the parable of the bridegroom and the virgins who are waiting. And in last week's gospel, we heard him tell the parable of the talents. And now today, we hear him tell this imagery of the sheep and the goats. Now back to our question why don't believers need to fear judgment day? Well, the answer to that question is our theme for today. It's because judgment day is the day that the king bestows his kingdom upon believers whose faith was evident from their deeds. Now, as Jesus starts out teaching his disciples, the first thing that he does is point blank claim to be that son of man that was mentioned in Daniel chapter 7. You know, the son of man that approached the ancient of days and was given all power and authority to judge. Jesus was claiming to be him, the son of man, and that's the reason that he always made the Pharisees so mad. Because basically that was blasphemy unless it was true, unless Jesus actually was the son of God and the son of man. And so Jesus then tells us next what it's going to be like. When the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with them, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now, for all the times that I've heard this Bible story, I don't know if I've ever really known what the deal was about the sheep and the goats and why you would have to separate them, why they needed to be separated out. The fact is, well, Jesus doesn't tell the disciples why they needed to be separated, why the shepherd would do that. But it seems like it would have been common knowledge to the disciples because Jesus doesn't mention it. It seems like they would have understood the reason why it was like a common practice. The shepherd just, he separates the sheep from the goats. So in doing a little research on YouTube to see what some modern day goat herders had to say, well, one of the things that they mentioned is that during the day, Sheep and goats, they can herd together just fine, right? They can be out in the pasture and they don't bother each other. But at the end of the day, when you bring them back into the pen, the goats can be a little more annoying. They can be a little bit more uh, bothersome. They're adventurous and they're always getting into stuff and they're climbing around. And the sheep, they just kind of want to sit there and enjoy the flock and enjoy some shut eye. And so the shepherd separates them out 
so that they're not bothering each other. The shepherd knows which are the sheep and which are the goats. And so that's the basic point of our comparison. Just like the shepherd is going to separate them out, Jesus knows how to separate out the sheep from the goats. He knows how to separate those who will go to heaven and those who will go to hell. Jesus tells us what he bases that knowledge, what he bases that judgment on in another place where he told the teachers of the law, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. So believers are the sheep that will be put on the right and unbelievers are the goats that will be put on the left and sent away to eternal judgment. And to the believers, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Dear believer in Christ, those are the most blessed words that anyone will ever speak to you and they will be spoken to you on judgment day. And that's why you not only don't need to fear Judgment Day, but why you have every reason to long for its coming. This is the day that Jesus will grant the inheritance that's been promised in our adoption at baptism, where God promised that he made us his children. This is where Jesus fulfills that guarantee And now he says, come and take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. What Jesus says next might actually be a little bit surprising because he points to their deeds, the deeds that they have done. Jesus says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Now, some of yours might hear that and think, well, there you have it. That's what I gotta do to be with the sheep on judgment day. I just gotta be doing my good deeds. Other ears might hear that and think, now, wait a second, Jesus. I thought that it was by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now, why does it seem like you're talking about their deeds as if it's the reason that they're getting into heaven, as if they, like, earned the kingdom? Well, that's a good question to ask because it helps us distinguish something very important Jesus isn't giving the kingdom as a reward for their deeds. They didn't earn it. The Bible is clear about that all over the place. Well, places in John chapter 3, verse 16, we hear, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And you heard what the apostle Paul said a moment ago in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works, not from yourselves. And again, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 3, verse 20, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law, by their good deeds. And then Paul goes on to explain uh, with 
a lengthy explanation in Titus chapter three, where he says, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Those are the causes of us receiving an inheritance. Jesus' kindness and love and his mercy and grace imparted to us through his word and through the washing of our baptism. Jesus' grace is the cause of our salvation. What he's doing in the section of the sheep and the goats is pointing at the proof of the fact that they are believers. Jesus is pointing at the evidence that makes their faith clear. He's telling us how to recognize believers since we don't have a spiritual x-ray machine to be able to look into their hearts. It's kind of like the fact that sheep and goats are actually different species completely. But unless you have a microscope to look at their DNA, you'll just have to go by what somebody tells you to help you distinguish them. Like the fact that sheep and goats, they have different kind of horns and they have different ears and they have different tails and they have different kind of wool or fur. And those are the marks that will help you distinguish between the sheep and the goats in the same way, Jesus is giving us the marks to help us distinguish between believers and unbelievers. Believers have done those small acts of faith that prove that they have faith, that give evidence of their faithfulness. And unbelievers don't do those things. Unbelievers cannot do any good works because they are not attached to Jesus the vine. So Jesus is here confirming what is also said a number of places, what he also has said throughout the scriptures. Like when he says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Or he says in another place to the disciples, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Or the Apostle James says, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. I will show you my faith by my deeds. Now, is that what we're supposed to rely on? Is it our deeds? If someone asks us, how come you're not afraid of judgment day coming? Would you say, well, it's because I got all these good works stacked up that I'm sure God will be quite happy with. No, 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 absolutely not. That will not take away your fear of judgment and that will not get you into heaven. How many good works would you have to do in order to get yourself into heaven? No, to rely on our deeds is to set aside Christ and to fall away from grace. Well, remember what Jesus was teaching with the sheep and the goats. Remember what the sheep said? They didn't even remember those good deeds that they had done. They said, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we do all these things? 
It's not believers who are pointing at their own deeds, but it's actually Jesus who remembers those deeds that they have done in faith and reckons them righteous on account of his grace. Now let me try and bring this all together if we return to our theme for a moment. The king bestows his kingdom upon believers whose faith was evident from their deeds. You see how those two parts have to hang together? There are no believers who don't have good deeds. Believers naturally produce good works, good deeds. But it would also be a mistake to look at that theme and just focus on the end, the part about deeds, and say, well, pastor told me that I gotta make sure that I'm doing my good deeds so I'm saved with the sheep on judgment day. No, don't walk away with that takeaway. Instead, let your takeaway today once again be Jesus, our gracious king who has given his life to bestow on us a wonderful kingdom. He's given us his word to believe and has brought us to faith in that word. And in doing so, we have crossed over from death to life. That's how our names come to be written in the Lamb's book of life. And for those believers whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life on the great day of judgment, there will be no condemnation. There will be no judgment. There will be no evil deeds read. Only the names of God's own children that are read. And Jesus tells us he will remember the good things that we have done in faith. The good things that he has perfected in us. And he will commend us for those deeds. Until that day, remain in Jesus the vine and in his father, the gardener, who will prune you to be even more fruitful. And by that fruit, all people will know that you are disciples of Jesus. To his glory, amen. Please stand.